We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. Welcome to those of you joining me live over on AMP as we are doing our customary Tuesday at noon show. We'll have one coming up on Thursday as well. If you want to call into the show, join the discussion. This is a great way to do that. It is August. August 1st. Here it is. Finally. Finally. We get through the month of July. Now we're into August. The countdown is on. For the NBA season to start up, I think it's going to take a while. It's going to feel like a bit of a grind, but we're going to get there. Before we know it, it's going to be September. We're going to be talking training camp, and we're going to be getting into the NBA schedule. By the way, schedule release should be happening sometime in mid-August, usually around like the 18th, 19th, something around, around there. And of course, we'll break down all of that over on LakersNation.com and the Lakers Nation YouTube channel course on the lakers nation podcast by the way i do want to encourage everybody if you're joining me over on amp make sure you follow the show there make sure as well that uh you are again that's at trevor lane on amp it's a great way to call in and join the show and then follow us over on the lakers nation youtube channel the lakers nation podcast as well youtube.com slash lakers nation then anywhere you listen to podcast feeds so today i want to talk a little bit about the lakers rotation about the best moves that they made this summer, because I really do think that they had a strong summer. Doesn't always mean regular season success, but it doesn't hurt either. When we throw that caution out there, it's always just a reminder that sometimes even teams that look great on paper don't turn out so great, right? That's just, that's the way it goes. But if you have a team that looks bad on paper, they tend to stay bad. Last summer with the Lakers, we noticed Oh my gosh, this roster makes no sense. This roster is a mess. This roster has way too many guards. You've got Russell Westbrook chewing up too much of your salary cap space. You could see it that the roster was not good enough to get to where the Lakers wanted to go. I don't think that's the case now. Now, there's always bumps in the road that can occur, certainly injuries, chemistry issues, things of that nature that can pop up. But look at the Lakers roster right now. I think they've done a really nice job giving themselves a team that can can withstand the rigors of the regular NBA season. Now, I've seen some questions out there of what about the playoffs? Did the Lakers raise their ceiling enough? Yes, you have enough depth to get through the regular season, but do you have enough to get you through the postseason when depth doesn't matter as much because people are using seven, eight-man rotations? That's to be seen. We'll see. What kind of a leap can Max Christie take? I think there's going to be some importance placed upon him. Jovan Buha of the Athletic had him as maybe the eighth or ninth man in the Lakers rotation. That's quite a leap. 
for a player who was not really in the rotation for most of last season. But he also showed out at Summer League, looked very good, and the Lakers are very, very high on him. Can Max Christie become the kind of guy that can step in? What about Jalen Hootscafino? Is he going to have a role this season? And then Cam Reddish, another mystery, and Jackson Hayes. And that's really the guy that I want to kind of start off with here. Jackson Hayes is a big, big question mark in my book. He's one of the guys that I'm most excited to see this summer, this uh, when we get into preseason, because I'm curious, what does a combination of Jackson Hayes and Anthony Davis actually look like? I think that's going to be really, really important to see because the Lakers have already promised that, hey, we're going to try these guys together. I don't know. Can Jackson Hayes and AD stay on the floor? I know they can do it defensively, offensively. What will that look like? All right, I already have some callers coming in again. If you are uh, calling into the show, or if you're joining over on AMP, you can call in and join the conversation. And I've already got some people coming in. Let's start here with Sal Guerrero. Sal, uh, let's see if we can get him on. There we go. Sal, how are you doing? Hello? Yeah, I got you. How are you? Doing good. How are you doing, Trevor? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm glad that fun. It's like a mental hurdle for the calendar to finally flip flip to August. You know what I mean? Like finally, okay, it's August. I'm that much closer to the NBA season starting. It feels like it's been. It's only been a few weeks in summer league, but it feels like it's been a lifetime. That's what happens when you just, you love this game, I guess. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's my birthday month, but I'm already past that already. But yeah, I'm already waiting for September to come so I can. Get ready for the season mentally and try to look at everybody's uh, training and whatnot. So I'm definitely already ready for September to come in. Yeah, um, absolutely. Once you get September, I think once we get to September, it's going to fly. Um, but but give me your what, – what's on your mind for this afternoon here? Oh, well, I was just thinking about it. Well, they're saying that they want to start Jackson Hayes with uh, Anthony Davis. And I see it. This way, I see it like him being like in the McGee role when McGee was on the uh, on the 2020 roster. Yes, absolutely. That's going to be what they're going to try to recreate is the JaVale McGee slash Dwight Howard role, which um, like I love that. That was that was a lot. Of, they won a championship doing that. I like the idea. I think for Anthony Davis, that's going to put a smile on his face because he's wanted that for for a while. He's wanted to not have to be the lone big on the floor. I, I'm concerned offensively, but what do you, what do you think? Can it work? And I like the word was out there that maybe they might even consider starting that lineup. I don't know. If, I, I can't go that far. What, what do you think about the pairing though? Jackson Hayes, AD is, is that something that's going to work? I say it works in, in spots. See, like, well, you definitely like when you have a bigger team, I think the Davis and Hayes would actually be, better this start and then like in other games like we when we had a Dwight and McGee we kind of just went by game by game basis and go from there so I think we'd probably do the same thing this time around too yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is a, a matchup based thing I think it kind of has to be you know I, I think that Jackson Hayes is a guy that's tremendously athletic but I don't, we don't know for sure what kind of production he can give you in terms of consistency, right? We know he can have some spike games here and there, but JaVale and Dwight, the difference, like 
if we look at what is it JaVale McGee did, what is it Dwight Howard did? These are guys who were athletic, who could set a screen, who could roll hard to the basket and could finish lobs, right? Like th- those are probably their four main things they needed to have, the boxes they needed to check. And I believe that Jackson Hayes does the same thing, but the difference is JaVale was a- an adult, right? He's over 30 years old. Same thing with Dwight Howard. These are guys who have been around the league for a long time, know what it means to be a pro. And I'm not trying to imply that Jackson Hayes is not an adult, is not mature or whatever. We'll see what his personality is, how that all works out, the chemistry and and everything else. But he is a younger player. Sometimes it's difficult for guys to just accept that my role is to do the dirty work. I'm not going to get the ball in the post a bunch. And I just need to thrive in this role that I've been given. I'm curious to see if Jackson Hayes can keep the kind of laser focus that Dwight and JaVale had, because I do think that what's going to be asked of him is the same. The question is, can he do it? Oh, definitely. I was, yeah, thinking about that. Yeah. I love his athleticism. I love everything that what his, all his package all around is. I think that's all we need is in him. But yeah, like you're saying, he is a little bit on the younger side, so he might hopefully mid season, he kind of gets it and kind of, understands what, what we need from him and then go from there. But we'll, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see on his part, but I'm definitely more excited for who I want, who I think is going to make a big jump is Jerry Vanderbilt. All right. Okay. Let's talk Vando. What, what has you so optimistic for Jared Vanderbilt? Well, just, just the fact that he's uh, like, since the season ended, he, of course he did a little, fashion shows, but he just went directly straight to the gym working on his game on um, corner threes for sure. And then he's working with Rui too. So it's like everything that, and plus what they say, if it's true that they uh, grew a couple inches or grew a little bit, that too. And just the, the fact that it's a con- contract season too. So he has something to show that show people that he's worth whatever, hopefully more than 10 million than what he's going to yeah, pay right now. He is, so he is 24 years old. I would be surprised. I mean, I guess it's not impossible, but at 24 for a guy to continue growing would be pretty out of the ordinary, but maybe he did. I mean, that picture that's been going, I'm sure you're, you've seen that picture. It's been going around. He worked out with Rui, the two standing next to each other. He looked like legit two inches taller than, than Rui. And I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but it, it doesn't hurt. I guess. I don't know how much it helps. Does it turn him into a totally different player? No. But hey, if he's an inch taller than he was when the season ended, great. Like the, It's not going to hurt him any. I think it, it might be a, a positive form. I don't think suddenly the Lakers are going to be using him at center or something like that on a consistent basis. Um, but I do, you know, maybe maybe it's something. What do you think are the, the keys for Vando in order to make the kind of leap that you're looking for this year? Uh, the keys for Vandal is definitely like corner three, just to be a little bit more yeah. consistent. That not, nothing like say that he has to be like at least forty or thirty-eight percent. Just even a thirty-five percent three-point shooter would be perfect because he does everything else, and everything else is what we actually need on the court. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's just it, right? If Vando can just do, he's great at doing all the other stuff. So can he just be a threat on that corner three? And I know Sean Davis has talked a lot about, well, even if he's not shooting that corner three, you can still have him do some stuff like in terms of acting as a screener, kind of the way Draymond um, is used with the Gold State Warriors, which 
I don't disagree with that. I think that there's there is the Lakers can utilize Vando more than they did on the offensive end than just sticking him in the corner and praying that he can knock in a three every now and then. But if he could hit that three, that would also go a long way towards opening things up because even if you're using him as a screener, that doesn't necessarily dissuade opponents from just kind of chilling in the paint and waiting for you. So I do agree. I think that the three-point shot is important. And the fact that he's working out already, he literally has millions of dollars on the line. Like he's going to be a free agent next uh, next season. So that is uh, next summer. So he has a lot of money on the line on this next season. Yeah, that is definitely exciting. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking. Like, because this is the contract season. He definitely, he's, uh, he's gotten better year to year, but he just needs to be a little bit more better on offense, better with his hands. Because, yeah, last year he did have a little couple games where, like, they would get, give him the ball down low and he just would lose it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his, his hands were not the best. Yeah, yeah just, just those two couple things, and he'll be just, perfect player and he wouldn't be out of any rotations like uh, in the playoffs in the Denver Nuggets series. They kind of just ran him obsolete in that, in that series. He could legit be one of the better defensive players in the NBA. Like he could, I don't know if he'll get there this season, but there's the potential. If he wins the starting role, there's the potential for him to make his way onto an all defense team. Maybe not the first team, but second team, third team. Like, that's not out of the question for Jared Vanderbilt. But in order, I think in order for him to get that starting lineup, I think he hit the nail on the head there, Saul. I think he's got to work on his hands, finishing at the rim, and the three-point shooting. Gets those things done, and uh, this could indeed be a big season for Vando. Well, hopefully. And the last thing, Trevor, before I let uh, other people call in, uh, well, I think he's going to be there the rest of the season, but do you really think that uh, we'll keep uh, D'Lo past the trade deadline i if i had if thanks again and uh hope everybody has a great day hope you have a great day trevor thank you hey thank you very much for calling in sal i appreciate it okay so sal before i bring in another caller sal is asking do i think d'angelo russell will finish the season with the lakers and man i'm i'm gonna say no I'm going to say no that he that he does not and I'm not I'm not saying that because I want to see D'Lo go away or anything like that. I just look at simple logistics here looking at this Lakers roster. I think his salary makes a lot of sense as a trade chip. I also think there's probably a reason why they negotiated into the deal or out of the deal that he can't block a trade the way he would have been able to under the previous CBA. I've talked a lot about this, but players in D'Angelo Russell's situation, they have the ability to block a trade to another team because the league views them as a one-year contract because the second year is an option year. And so what they do is they would lose their bird rights. D'Angelo Russell would lose his bird rights if he's traded. And because of that, the league used to give the player the ability to block a trade in that situation because they don't want the player to have to lose their bird rights. Uh, but the player could choose to get traded to another team if they if they want. Under the new CBA, the league provided the ability to negotiate that aspect out of the, the deal. And the Lakers did that with D'Lo. And so as much as you know, the Lakers, what they've said, they've talked about, hey, we, you know, having these three guards together is great. Gabe Vincent and D'Lo and, and Austin Reeves, that's great. But you look at their actions, what do they do? They negotiated out D'Lo's ability to block a trade. 
I think there's a decent chance that there's a reason for that. I don't believe that they signed the contract in order to trade him. I think the Lakers' preference is for D'Lo to work out great, for D'Lo to shoot 40-plus percent from three, and be that versatile on- or off-ball guard that can come in and on a night when LeBron's not playing, give you 20 points and otherwise be a really good floor spacer, be an initiator on the offense that doesn't have to initiate every possession. That's the brilliance of the Lakers' backcourt. D'Lo, Austin, either one of them can initiate the offense. It doesn't matter which one. You probably want the ball in Austin's hands more often than not, and I think that's the way the Lakers are going to go. But great, D'Lo is super comfortable playing off-ball, no problem. So I think that's the preferred option, that everything works out great, right? But I also believe there's going to be opportunities that are going to pop up midseason. And I think I am going to be saying the words D'Angelo Russell trade a lot this season because I have a feeling any trade rumors that come up, they're probably going to include D'Angelo Russell's contract. So if I had to pick one, I'm going to say that he doesn't survive the trade deadline and he is ultimately moved before then. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe he comes out and he plays great. If he plays the way he did post-trade post deadline the entire season, <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of, a lot of incentive to get rid of D'Angelo Russell unless you truly buy into this idea that he simply can't be a playoff performer. All right, let's bring in another caller here. We're going to turn to Bobby Buckets if he can get in here and join the show. Trevor, how's it going? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are you? Oh, little hiccup there. Bobby, I think you're you're muted right now. No worries. No worries. How are you and uh, and what's on your mind? Not too bad. How are you doing, Trevor? Thanks for having me uh, on. No problem. No problem. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh what are you what are you thinking in terms of the Lakers right now? What would you like to chat about? I'm honestly I'm feeling good. It was a great summer. Definitely uh definitely looking forward to it. Just had a um couple questions like when do you think this summer that we start worrying about the big man situation with Wood and Biombo if um no contract signed when do you think that the time frame is that we kind of start worrying? Okay, that's that's a great question, and Keith and I actually just talked about this. Keith Smith, who's now back from vacation on the front office show, I'm I'm watching the progress bar here as we're talking, as the latest episode of the front office show is uploading. Um, so that's a, a great question. Where you would start worrying it, now is not the time to worry about it for sure, because what's happening around the NBA is everything is being held up by Damian Lillard. Not by it's not like Damian Lillard hit the stop button, but his trade situation, right, is what's preventing everything from happening because guys like Christian Wood, guys like Bismack Biombo, they're waiting to see, does a trade go down and does a team that we're not expecting suddenly have open roster spots and more important, open rotation spots that we could jump into. Similarly, teams like the Lakers and other teams around the league are also waiting for a Lillard trade, a Harden trade, whatever, to in order to see if, when the dust settles, does the team have to cut some players? Does that put more players on the market than they were expecting to be? There's also a number of teams that have too many players on their roster right now. OKC, I believe, has four or five more players than they can actually keep. They're going to have to cut guys. So NBA quality players are going to be cut. So it's not just, hey, could we get Christian Wood? Could we get Bismack Biombo? From the team perspective, it's 
who's going to be suddenly on the market that maybe shouldn't be, maybe is a little too good to be on the market right now, but because of roster cutdowns, winds up being out there. So the time to worry is not now. The time to worry would be if Dame gets traded, Harden has some kind of resolution, Biombo and Wood sign somewhere else, and then the guys that get cut are not centers. There's no centers on the market. That's when it's time to, to worry a little bit. And we can't say that's going to be a week from now, two weeks. It might be mid-September. We don't know when these trades are going to go down, if there's going to be a resolution there. But right now, everybody is in a holding pattern because of those trades. So now is definitely not, not the time to worry. That kind of uh, leads me into my next my next like question is, kind of who who is kind of on your radar right now as to who could potentially be seeing cuts before not not even before the deadline but more just kind of this summer for final final rosters is there anybody that is on your dead like like radar right now that could be getting cut uh are you looking at just for this just for the summer or are you looking at also the the buyout market um, yeah, more more this summer for like final rosters and stuff like that. Yeah, so it, a lot of okay, so so a lot of that will come down to um, a lot of that's going to come down to who gets moved where in the Damian Lillard trade if and when that happens with Miami. Like we know Tyler Hero is probably going to go to a third team, so that could free up some players somewhere. But as far as who could could get cut. JaVale McGee is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. The Mavs are looking for another center right now, nonetheless. But that said, uh, JaVale did not work out for them. And so that's why they're going to turn elsewhere. The reporting around him was that uh, he's not going to be back with the team next year, whether they ultimately put him in a trade and then he gets either cut or, or bought out or whatever, or if they just buy him out themselves and stretch his salary, which will come out to a little over $2 million stretched over five years for the Mavs. So that's not a huge deal. So JaVale would be a guy to keep an eye on. He could very well be back in the mix. That's possible. The Lakers have said they want a diverse skill set, though, um, at the center position. So that would mean, ideally, they want somebody who doesn't do the same stuff as Jackson Hayes, which that's JaVale would fit. It would fill that role. He would have a similar skill set to Jackson Hayes. So he's probably not their option one. From people I've spoken to inside the team, I when I mentioned JaVale, it was met with, lukewarm response, but maybe he's a guy who could be out there just to keep an eye on. Aside from that, OKC is the team that's going to have to cut players loose. They're going to have to cut multiple players, but they don't have much in the way of centers, unfortunately. So that's not going to help the Lakers much either. So I don't see a lot of guys out there that I think, man, this guy's going to get cut loose. But again, the Damian Lillard thing, there could be 10 players involved in that trade and that could change everything drastically around the league in terms of who ultimately pops free. So that's really the thing to keep an eye on. Otherwise, JaVale is the only obvious guy that I think, hey, this is a big who's going to be on the market that isn't right now. Yeah, for sure. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be certainly something to keep an eye on here um, as uh, as we get deeper into the summer. But uh, did you have anything else before I move on to uh, to our next caller here? Yeah, just um one one last quick point. Um, I know it's it's obviously early, but I am definitely calling. I'm I'm feeling a Reeves most improved this year. I feel like he can really carve his way into the third option role for us this year. And I I do feel like do you, or, or honestly, do you feel like that 
Austin can kind of reach that 22 to 23 points per game with like five to six dimes average? And like, do you think that would be worthy of, of, of a most improved type of conversation? We're going to pause for just a moment to talk about game time. Ticket buying can be a very stressful experience. Personally, I am always trying to make sure that I'm getting the best deal. And that's not always easy to know. You have to go fully through the checkout process. Sometimes one app will say one thing. Another app won't give you the final price until the end. It is a nightmare. But buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets and a best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you are going to have. Forget about planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you suddenly find yourself with a little bit of time. You have some friends that want to go do something. Grab tickets on game time. Game time, the guarantee means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are in their best price game time guarantee. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You even get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LakersNation for $20 off. Download game time today. Yeah, absolutely. If he can get his scoring up to that level, I think he'd definitely be worthy of it, especially if he can find a way to keep the efficiency. He was so efficient last season with his shooting percentages. If he can maintain that and increase his shot volume a little bit, which you have to remember, teams are going to be keying in on him that maybe weren't last season, particularly before he went into the starting lineup. Teams are going to be doing things now to try to take things away from him. So how he adjusts to that will be something to watch. But if he can keep his efficiency high and up his scoring to that 22, 23 points that you're talking about, yeah, I think you'd have a really good shot at winning that most improved, obviously depending on what else is happening around the league. But I think that would be the type of numbers that he would need in order to get uh, get in that conversation. And I will say it's not it's not impossible for him to do so. I agree. I definitely agree. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a very exciting season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Thank you for calling in, uh, Bobby. I do appreciate it. Good stuff. Thank you for having me on, Trevor. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you. I, I truly appreciate that, and uh, and have a great one. You as well. Thank you. All right. Good call there. Good call. Let's bring on another caller. Always, always plenty to talk about in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. And we're going to see if we can get Manny in here. Just a moment. There we go. There we go. Manny, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. And yourself, Trevor? Doing well. What's on your mind this afternoon? Uh, not much, really. I just want to say, well, first off, that uh, that story of Kobe, man, you are a great storyteller, man. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. So that, just to explain to the, the audience out there, I did, during the slower time, right, we're always, you know, figuring out, okay, what are we going to talk about for Lakers? What are we going to do? What, are, what kind of stuff we're going to break down all that? And I want to do some stuff that was not going to be 
that five years from now, we could still view and would still mean something. Okay? In the industry, we call that evergreen content. It would still be something that that somebody could could watch five years from now and get something from. Uh, an Anthony Davis contract extension is probably not that interesting to somebody five years from now. Right now, it's very important. But um, I wanted to do something that involved some some history. And uh, and so I started with that. We're going to do some more of those. Uh, I've got a really good editor who did, did a fantastic job with it. But thank you. I, I appreciate that. I enjoyed getting back into that. And uh, I'm going to do um, we'll, we'll, we'll do some more of these kind of breaking down some things that happened in, uh, in Lakers history as well. And that uh, that video is found on the, the Lakers Nation YouTube channel for anybody listening that hasn't got a chance to check it out. It's about how Kobe almost didn't wind up with the Lakers and kind of the whole story of the the draft situation around Kobe and the Lakers and how the Lakers were ultimately able to uh, to land him. Man, it's crazy. I didn't even know because uh, I know I knew about the trade and stuff, but I didn't know uh, like the, the specifics like with Vladdy. I didn't know he wanted to retire. If, I'm like, damn. Yeah, he was not happy about being traded to the to the Hornets. Yeah, he was he was threatening. Um, so yeah. And yeah, and then the other thing I wanted to say is, uh, man, my bad for clipping you with the Celtics, man. What you said. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I realized as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was talking about, I think I was talking about who I wanted to see the Lakers play on Christmas. And I said the words, I like the Celtics. And it, as, as it came out, I went, Oh my God, I've, ne- I've never said that before. Um, and of course you, you clipped it, but, um, but it was funny. So yeah, that's, uh, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I felt gross as the words were coming out. Yeah. Cause Mark Gunnels is over there saying, clip it, man. I'm like, man. <laughs> it definitely got me on that one definitely got me on that one but yeah that's uh that's really it for me trevor i just i don't really got too much to talk about we've really talked about everything i just want to come on here and say i appreciate everything you guys do and keep with the great work well hey thank you manny i appreciate it and uh and have a great one thank you you too all right good stuff from manny keeping me on my toes making sure that i don't uh say anything pro Boston here, anything like that. Uh, all right, let's see what else we can bring in. And we'll bring in uh, Rick here. There he is. Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. What's on your mind? So I I hear people I, I don't think people understand because like about like the what we did with the roster um this year because in 1920 like the re- you had to realize that almost nobody thought we was going to win the championship even though we had LeBron and Anthony Davis because we didn't have no we didn't make no eye popping moves like we didn't have Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell we we didn't have no eye popping moves so people didn't think that we was going to do anything but our team fit so good together that we won games. And I think this situation this year is like that. We don't have, we didn't do like what the Suns did and get Bradley Bill and all that stuff like that. But I think the pieces that we did got, because we, we only lost one player that was actually playing minutes. And we added like at least two or three players that's actually going to play minutes. And I think our team is going to fit so well that we're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, so I agree with you 100%. And I think you bring up a really good point that while the Lakers, they didn't make the home run move, they didn't make the the big 
oh my gosh, what did they, you know, what did they just do? What did they just pull off? How crazy is it that the Lakers got that guy? Look, those moves are great and those moves are a lot of fun. But, but you look at today's NBA, what's it all about? Today's NBA with the shooting at the level that it's at, it is about having all your guys defensively, I'm talking here, on the same page. And that, to have that, you need continuity. Yes, look, if the Lakers were able to go out and get an all-world defensive player, if they're able to go out and get Drew Holiday, let's say, to play the point guard position, that would be fantastic. That'd be, you throw him on the floor, and you've got one of the best defenders in the NBA at the guard position, add him to AD, it's going to be devastating. But if you can't get that level of guy, you need all five players on the floor to be on a string. They need to be of the same mindset. They need to understand the scheme, the fit, and that takes time to build. It takes time to happen. And the reason why you need this is because shooters are too damn good in the NBA now. What happens is if one guy in your defense is off half a step, if one guy is mixed up in his scheme, the better teams in the NBA will see that, they will identify it, they will exploit it, and they will rain threes on you, they will get layups on you, they will take advantage of that defensive miscue. So continuity as the skill level of offenses is getting higher and higher and higher year after year. We're seeing guys more and more accomplished shooting the basketball. It becomes all the more important that your defense does not make mistakes. And in order to do that, you have to have continuity. You have to have familiarity. So I agree with you 100%, Rick. I think that it's, it's an underrated thing, keeping a team together, making moves around the margins. It's becoming a more and more powerful weapon in today's NBA than it might have been in, in the previous iterations of the league where star power was all it took to really win out. Oh, yeah, and I got one more question. Um, I've been trying to figure this out for a long time. If it gets on top of your head, who do you think going to be the eight teams in the West that make the playoffs, like in, in order, like the first seed, second, third, stuff like that? Um. Okay, let me look through it. I think the, the crazy, crazy thing about the West is there's so many good teams. Right? There's so many good teams. There's going to be at least teams that we look at right now that we think are good, that it's going that there's going to be playoff caliber teams that are left on the outside looking in. Okay, so in order. All right. I, I'm I think I have to stick with the defending champs with the Nuggets as the one seed. I think I'll stick with them there. Uh I'm going to say. Huh. <laughs> See, it's already tough. It's already tough. It's already tough. Okay. Let's let's see here. So I've got I've got Denver. I'm going to say that the Lakers have enough depth to keep their foot down on the gas pedal during a decent chunk of the regular season, and they get the two seed. I'm going to say the three seed will be... Hmm, Memphis is missing jaw. I'm going to say Golden State has a little bit of this kind of one last ride mentality, and they wind up with the three seed. I'll say the four seed is once again the Phoenix Suns and that they have a lot of guys who take time off during the season to bump them down to the four seed. I'll say the five seed. I'll go ahead and stick with the Clippers, which is where they finished last year. I think they stay healthy enough to at least get the five seed. I'm going to give Minnesota the six seed. I think they're better than people are giving them credit for. The eight seed, I'm going to go with the Pelicans. I'm assuming that, um, that we're going to see Zion miss some games. OKC, 
I'll have after that. I think they're going to be much improved this season. They could even get up into that top six mix. And what am I at? I'm at, I think, the nine seed now. I guess that leaves Dallas. And then, actually, I think that may be it. That might be 10. I lost count of where I was at. But, oh, Sacramento's got to be in there, too. Jesus. And I and I didn't mention Memphis. I, I set them aside at the beginning. And I didn't see this is the problem with the West. There's going to be good, good. It, it's going to come down to who stays healthy. That's what the what's going to happen in the West. It's going to come down to who stays healthy because Sacramento and Memphis definitely need to be in the mix there, too. Oh my gosh. So as as much parody as there was in the West last year, it's going to be on paper right now. It's it's going to be even worse this year. It's going to be brutal in the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tough. It's tough. That's that's for sure. Picking like, do I want to say Memphis is on the outside looking in? No. Certainly not Sacramento, right? They were good this season. OKC's gotten better. Minnesota, I'm a believer in them. I think they're better than people give them credit for. New Orleans, if they stay healthy, they can, They were the one seed at one point last season. Golden State is good. The Clippers are good. Phoenix is good. The Lakers are good. Denver's good. I mean, Dallas missed the playoffs last year, and they are a playoff caliber team. Like, Utah even went on a run last season. What happens with the port with blaze with the Blazers? Do they completely tank? They might. Houston, though, added pieces to help them win. San Antonio added pieces, added pieces with Wemanyama. I think the only things that I can say with any confidence, it's that Portland, Houston, and San Antonio are not going to be in the postseason. After that, man, pick two teams out of the remaining group. Maybe Utah by default, but I think they, they're going to get better too. So it's tough. Tiebreakers, like tiebreakers and stuff, gonna be really important next year mm-hmm. to gain like certain seeds. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, it, it's going to be incredibly important that you win those tiebreakers over specifically the, your teams that are going to be right around you in the standings. Yeah. All right, that's all I have for today. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Man, that is that is such a difficult exercise trying to pick which teams are going to make the postseason in the West. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy trying to figure that out right now because there are so many good teams in the Western Conference. All right, joining me, it's Senpai NFT. Welcome in, Colby. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you doing, Trevor? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for, for joining me. By the way, I've got people in the chat mentioning the Android app. Maybe it's a little bit glitchy or whatever, but but glad to see now. I'm sure they're going to continue working on that, but glad to see that AMP is now available over on Android. So something that we should note here. But uh, what's on your mind this afternoon, man? Yeah, uh, mostly just kind of want to talk like, you know, Lakers, I guess what we, what we foresee um Darvinham doing I know all this recent news about they really think Jackson Hayes can start I uh I don't buy it at all like it doesn't even fit the Darvinham model like he wouldn't even play Thomas Bryant with AD so I'm not sure why they're talking about playing Jackson Hayes next to him unless it's just you know propaganda for Christian Wood or whatnot yeah that's that's where I keep landing too because you're right they wouldn't like you had a three-point shooting big 
in Thomas Bryant. And Darvin Ham came from a system where you had a three-point shooting big that you in Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis that you'd camped out behind the arc, and then you ran that next to Giannis. And when he came in, he was talking about doing similar things with AD as what he did with Giannis. So you thought, okay, well, maybe Thomas Bryant is going to be a floor spacer for the Lakers. And then after Thomas Bryant leaves, it's Mo Bamba. Okay, maybe he's going to be the floor spacer. And we didn't see it. We didn't see it all season. So you're right. Like If, you, if you're not going to put the floor spacing big on the floor, how confident should we feel that you're actually going to put Jackson Hayes out there with AD? I agree. I think it's a message to Christian Wood. It's a message to AD that, hey, we hear you, that you don't always want to be the lone big on the floor. But how often we're going to see it, I don't know. I, I am, I'm like you. I'm skeptical. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And it's just, it, it just doesn't make sense given the Lakers roster. There's just too many wings to the point where if you start to cannibalize minutes at the four from bigs like AD, then it's just less minutes for those guys to play. And we again, like, I don't. For me personally, in order to see AD at the four, I would need somebody at the five who I feel like could really be a difference maker on either offense or defense. I don't think Jackson Hayes is that. I don't think any of the centers outside of Christian Wood that are available could be that. I think Christian Wood could be a difference maker offensively um, just because he's so like versatile with his ability to his ability to pop, his ability to roll, um, ability as a lob threat. Like he could do just so much on offense that it truly could be impactful. But yeah, the other Jackson Hayes, I just I don't see enough. Like I mean, I see in certain situations, you know, it you're playing against a big team, it would make sense. But I also feel like you're playing against those big teams. Like I wouldn't mind just playing Rui on the big, like Rui guarding Carl Anthony Towns in the playing game. I would honestly rather have Rui out there doing that given his like offensive abilities as well, then have Jackson Hayes out there guarding him instead with AD on Gobert. Yeah, I mean, that certainly gives you more versatility on the offensive end if you go that route. And if you believe that Rui can do it, and we've seen him do it, then, then why not? I mean, he's not a small guy by any means, but you are playing a bit smaller with him on the floor. But that's that's some of the appeal. That's part of why Rui got paid what he did. It's because he gives you the versatility to play with him on the floor and potentially defending some of those, you know, not the physically overpowering bigs like him on Jokic. All right. That's probably a little bit asking a little bit much, but him on, on towns. Okay. Yeah. You, you can, you can probably get away with that at least for stretches. And I, I do agree. I think that's a good way to look at it for the Christian Wood thing. Like he can be a difference maker. Now he can be a difference maker in a bad way too, but he can be a difference maker on the offensive end of the floor. Whereas if you wind up with a Bismack Biombo, I think he would be more in the like innings eater category. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just kind of throw out that we need you to get some filler minutes, like some spot minutes here and there, and uh, and just go from there. It's there's no impact unless they trade for a guy. I don't even know really who out there would even be available. Like. Like obviously, like Miles Turner, whatnot. I don't think he's going to be on the block. Maybe like a Kelly Olynyk or somebody like that. That I think it would be worth actually playing minutes for AD at the four. Yeah. Other than that, I uh, I want like uh, assuming we don't get Christian Wood, I would like us to go into this season with AD just as pretty much a full time five. 
And I, I think that's the way this roster is built currently. I think that's what we're going to see. Um, obviously, depending on who they, if it's Christian Wood, like that, I think that's just more of AD at the bottom. Because if AD and Christian Wood are on the floor, AD is the five. Um, I do think that AD is going to be playing most of his minutes. If we do see Jackson Hayes and Anthony Davis together, it's going to be, I think it's going to be limited minutes. I think it's going to be limited minutes. It's going to be situational as well. I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, it, it doesn't seem like something that makes a whole lot of sense given the way this roster is currently constructed or given what their goals are as a team. As much as AD may want to play the four, and maybe some can argue that he should play more minutes at the four, I don't think the Lakers have the team set up for it. Like if they had, if Bobby Portis was on this team, if Brooke Lopez was on this team, if another well solid shooting big was on the team, it would be a different story, but they don't, they don't have that guy. Yep. Yeah. I agree completely. And it's just, there's just too many wings like between excluding Braun, like Rui Vando and Torian Prince, all of those dudes should be playing solid minutes. Maybe you can argue that Torian Prince limit minutes should be more, I guess, limited just given like his age. Um, but yeah, still, it's you know you you brought him in to play, so it just it doesn't make sense this stuff about Jackson Hayes at the floor. Um, so you know it's we'll see. Uh, how, I guess what how training camp goes, but uh, given like with Vando specifically, I kind of view him defensively more on the two slash three side, just because like in the playoffs and whatnot, we saw him taking the best guard like you know he, he would guard uh he would guard steph curry uh he would guard jamal murray so defensively he can kind of be more versatile to where he doesn't necessarily have to be like a four defensively or a three defensively he can like he can go out there and guard the opposing team's point guard every night so i think that opens up a, a little more versatility with lineups just because given that you can play him alongside like Rory Braun and AD, you can play the four of them together, assuming that Vando is just guarding a guard and, and go from there. So there's a little more, I guess, opportunity for like those three and four minutes, but yeah, still, I just, I would prefer just, you know, the, the typical AD at the five and then whoever at the four. Yeah. Yeah, that's and I agree. I think Vando is probably at his best when he's defending down a position or two, when he's can use his size, his length to his advantage because he's quicker than most guys that are his size. So he's quick enough to stay with twos, to stay with threes. And then he's got a size advantage as compared to when he's going up against a four or even a five where he doesn't have a size advantage. He's got a quickness advantage, probably not a strength advantage. Then he's put in a tougher spot. So he's somewhat unique in that sense. Not, not entirely unique. There's other guys who can do this, but in that he's technically a four, but defensively, you're not going to use him to defend bigs very often. You're going to have him more as a true like like wing defender who can also help out by crashing the boards a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it'll be interesting to see how I guess they proceed with that with that like in mind. I'd like to see more of the Vando, Ruri, Braun, AD, like on the court together, you know, whoever at guard, obviously, like I prefer probably Austin, but, you know, D'Lo or Vincent would work with that group too. Mm -hmm. I think that could potentially be like a, a secret weapon for the Lakers just because the versatility, the ability to switch everything, the length, um, just it, I think it could really be 
like the difference making lineup, especially if you have like Austin at point guard that could, you know, I think it could potentially be the Lakers, uh, possibly their best lineup to put out there, depending on Vando's corner three, of course. And we're all hoping that he comes in with like a, just 35%, you know, that's, that's all we're asking for. But if he can get that in, then I think that lineup could really, uh, really be impactful. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think that could be a good lineup for the Lakers, especially again, if, they, if that, if that corner three comes around, man, not only could that be big for the Lakers, that'd be huge for him and for uh, his next contract, which is going to be coming up next summer. So that's certainly going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, anything else that you had on your mind? Nope, yeah, nothing else from me, Trevor. All right. Well, as always, thanks for coming on, man. Good stuff. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Have a good one. You too. All right. I have time for a few more callers coming in. God, I'm seeing the comments that uh, Paul George recently made on his podcast about Lakers fans and people coming up to him in L.A. and saying, come to L.A. Well, yeah, it's because the Clippers aren't really L.A. Everybody knows that. Come on. Are you really surprised? Uh, Terrence Mann was saying that as well on his podcast. I'm going to have to have watch that little clip and see uh, what else they said. But like, yeah, you knew that. You know, you grew up in L.A. You knew that, that the Clippers aren't really seen as L.A. They're not seen as like the hometown team. It's not the way it works. You knew that walking in. You could have come to the Lakers when LeBron signed. That opportunity was there. And you chose not to. Instead, you decided to stay in OKC and then forced your, your trade to the Clippers. I get it. You were hurt that the Lakers didn't commit all of their assets to go get you from the Pacers. Instead, tried to keep assets and then sign you as a free agent instead the next summer. I understand you wanted the Lakers to, to sacrifice everything and come after you. And you can look back and say, well, maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe they should have. But you had to know when you sign with the Clippers, you're not going to be seen as the hometown guy when you play in L.A. It's a Lakers town. Always has been, always will be. It's the way it is. All right. Zolo. I'm trying to bring in Zolo here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. See if we can get Zolo in. And waiting on it. Well, we'll see if Zolo can make it in. Uh, if not, I did want to talk a little bit on this show about the moves the Lakers made. And you know, I put in the title for the show that it's the best moves the Lakers have made. I think when I look at this team, what I see in terms of their best moves, rather than say, hey, the best move was getting Gabe Vincent or the best move was Jackson Hayes or it was, you know, it was some of these signings or what it is they decided to do. The, the contract for Austin Reeves, look, realistically, that's probably the best move. That was one of the best moves in the NBA. That was largely due to the contractual situation, the CBA, the way it works for signing Austin to a new deal. The Lakers got him on an incredible bargain. But I think big picture, the best move for the Lakers was having a plan. It was having a plan. You look at this Lakers team. You look at the roster. You look at who they've got right now and you try to break down who can play especially if you go and you do a rotation which uh, sean davis and i did over the lakers nation youtube channel uh what a week and a half ago something like that we'll do some more but when you look at this lakers roster and you look at all the different guys that you can plug in and all the different ways that you can do it all the different combinations you can put on the floor it's clear that there's a plan this wasn't just hey, let's go get some players and throw them all together. And I guess when we've got 15 players, it's a team. No, I thought that what they did was take guys who fit and found a way to put them on this team. Now, again, that's not a guarantee that it's going to work. It's not a guarantee that everything's going to go perfectly this season, that there's not going to be bumps in the road. But on paper, the pieces on this team fit. There are still questions about their three-point shooting, and I think that could wind up being their Achilles heel, but the Lakers as a team had a plan and executed that plan, had a vision for what this team was going to be. And again, there's still a, there's a spot missing right now. There's a center missing that's coming. I believe very strongly that they will add a center before the season starts who that's going to be. We still don't know. Maybe it'll be Christian Wood, maybe Biombo, maybe Colin Castleton. We'll find out, but you look at this team and there's a cohesive plan that makes sense. And that was not the case. Last year, last summer, last summer, you go and you try to figure out the rotation and it's like, oh, hey, look at that. Now we've got three guards on the floor once again. Or, hey, Patrick Beverly, you're going to defend a guy who's 6'8 at 6'1 or whatever. You're going to be our three and D wing. Why? Not because we think that's what you're necessarily good at, although they did say that they thought that, but because we don't really have any other choice because this is the team that we've got and there's too many guards. There's not enough wings. Doesn't make sense. Now you could say maybe the Lakers have too many wings. You got Cam Reddish, who maybe can compete with Max Christie as a as a backup two, maybe. But I still see Cam as more of a three than anything else. But nonetheless, you've got depth across the positions. You've got a ton of wings. You've got guys who are versatile, who can defend multiple positions. Max can defend the two or the three. Cam can defend maybe the two through four. Torian Prince, same thing. You've got you've got all these guys that can defend multiple spots. And that's going to give a lot of optionality to Darvin Ham. So 
I'm excited for not just what was the best moves the Lakers made, but the best decisions that they made in terms of what's the vision for this team? What's the vision for this team? This team was clearly not put together as, hey, this is the team for right now, but we're going to have to make a trade at some point and figure something out here. Because as a team right now, this isn't good enough. That's the situation of last summer. This summer, this group may very well be good enough. And they will still have still have the flexibility to make a trade midseason if they need to. But I think the Lakers are put together a team that makes sense, that's good enough to do something as a group. And that, that I think, is extremely important. They didn't go chasing the big superstar. They didn't go out there and say, it's a third superstar or bust. They went out there with a very smart, I think, plan for what they wanted to do. And that was build upon their success of last season, build upon the depth of last season. And that decision to go down this path, it feels like a very grown-up decision, a very adult decision for the Lakers to not go chasing after stars. And maybe they will in the future at some point, but for the time being, to stick with what worked, to go with depth, to put pieces around LeBron and AD, and to build out a roster that is going to give Darvin Ham plenty of options on any given night. I like it. I like what the Lakers did this summer. The question remains, did they do enough come postseason time? We'll see. That's going to depend to kind of bring things full circle on whether or not some guys take the leap. What does Austin do this season? What can D'Lo do this season? Can he uh, exercise the ghosts of last season's playoffs? What about Gabe Vincent? What kind of a role can he play? That's what's going to determine, I think, whether or not this group is good enough come playoff time, as well as, of course, the health of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But for the regular season, I think they put together a team that is very, very capable of getting the job done. All right, everybody. I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Those of you who called in live over on AMP, who joined the show to listen live on AMP, again, you can download the app over on Android as well as uh, in the Apple Store. You can download it either place and come join the show live. Again, we do this Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon Pacific time. Maybe you're on your lunch break and you get to do call in and listen to the show for a little bit. Of course, podcast listeners, uh, YouTube viewers, thank you guys for coming in. Make sure you are subscribing on your platforms. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.